0: Hey, before we get into this week's episode of The Culture, just a quick reminder that if you want to stay up to date with the show, you can follow it in your favourite podcast app. Just search for The Culture. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to The Culture, a weekly show about the latest in the world of pop culture, arts, entertainment, and taking your horse to the Old Town Road. I'm Osman Faruqi, and I've got the horses in the back, and the horse tack is attached. Can you believe that it's been less than three years since Little Nas X dropped Old Town Road? With that one track produced for less than $100, the rapper made history a lot of history. Old Road became the longest-running single to sit at number one on the charts ever, and it kicked off a debate about the definition of country music. Lil Nas X himself became the first openly queer black artist to win a Country Music Association Award, and he's been described as one of the most influential people on the internet in the last couple of years, and I could not recommend following him on Twitter and Instagram more. A few weeks ago, he dropped his first full-length album, Montero, and both commercially and critically, it's been hugely successful, cementing Lil Nas' status as probably one of the biggest pop stars of his generation. So why does everyone love rooting for him, and is his new album really as good as everyone says? To unpack it all, I'm delighted to welcome back to the culture, Shad D'Souza, the music critic for The Saturday Paper.
1: I'm back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're back to talk about Little Nas X. And this is something really interesting. So every week on the show, we get people messaging us, writing in and asking us to cover different things. And I've never seen as many people get in touch with us asking us to cover an artist as we've seen people get in touch with us to ask us to cover Little Nas X.
1: It's Montero's world. We're just living in it. Like, <laughs> that's how it kind of feels on the internet. I don't think there's been anyone in recent memory in the pop cultural consciousness who it's so easy to root for. Mm. His first hit was so much fun. It's like we've always known him.
0: Yeah, I think there's not anyone who has managed to understand and capture and just dominate the internet, culture, performance, music, and all of those things are basically the same thing now And it seems like he was just made for that space.
1: Yeah, he he's been on the internet for a while. He's a child of the internet, and I think, I think the kind of like pop world was kind of waiting for someone like him who can
0: push buttons just so perfectly. So we're going to talk about the album. We're going to talk about what he's been up to uh, lately. But I do want to start the story a little bit before Old Town Road, which is the song that brought him to my attention to most people's attention. I still think it's one of the best songs made in the past decade, Um, but. He'd been busy before that track. My first recollection of him, I remember seeing like some tweets he was doing. He was like really big on Twitter. Is that how he got his first online prominence or is there something before that that I don't know about?
1: Yeah, he was just kind of like a normal teen online. And as with so many teens who were kind of like going through it, he was also struggling with his sexuality at the time, which we'll get to later. But as with so many teens going through it, he kind of became a stan. And in particular, he became a barb, which is the Nicki Minaj stands, and they are kind of known to be some of the most intense, most aggressive, most devoted stands on the internet. And and like so many teens are drawn to stand culture because it gives you kind of like a sense of belonging, gives you like a leader you can look up to. And I think it makes a lot of sense looking at what happened after with his career, with him being so internet literate. Mm. It's it's important to acknowledge him as Nas Mirage, which is like, was his handle, so Mirage is Nikki's last name and Nas, like, you know it was like he was the child of Nas and Nikki, and he was a very, very active Twitter user making really intense memes um, harassing people who said bad things about Nikki. He was like, real, like that. a real stan He was a real stan, he tried to evade it at first he tried to disavow his previous stan life kind of when Old Town Road was getting big and then he kind of was like, actually, that was me. Um, Yeah, so he started out on Stan Twitter, and that's kind of like this area of the internet that has its own language, that is very good at making things go viral, that starts a lot of memes, that coins a lot of terminology. So it's not insignificant that Lil Nas started out as a Barb because it shows... We might say it shows a devotion to craft, even though it's a particularly aggressive and weird craft, but he's a child of the internet in every sense.
0: And then 2018 end of the year Alton Road hits.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the Alton Road I'm gonna ride till I can't no more I'm gonna take my horse to the Alton Road I'm gonna yeah. ride yeah. till I can't no more
0: I got the horses in the bag. Alton Road is I think a combination of a song that's really catchy and an artist who understands how to basically harness what you've been talking about harness the power of the internet the power of memes to make it go viral he bought that beat he recorded this track and when you sit down and you listen to old town road it's a song about nothing i think he was saying playing a lot of red dead redemption the video game which i think inspired some of the lyrics and the first video of the song before it blew up was just in-game footage of red dead redemption And then I'm a little bit hazy on how it sort of crossed over from him making memes on Twitter. And then there was a TikTok challenge that really blew it up. Can you step us through how that all happened?
1: So basically, he releases it in December 2018. And it wasn't an accident. And he'll be very clear, any journalist he talks to, he's like, this is not some random viral success. As I said, he was very active on Stan Twitter, which turned into him just becoming kind of like a popular meme page. Mm. Um, And he had already been kind of releasing one or two songs before this. He released this mixtape called Nazarati. I don't know if
0: you've listened to it. I have listened to a great title.
1: Yeah, great title, bad (laughs) mixtape. It was very generic, very generic rapping, which we'll get to later. It all all plays into it. But um, So on TweetDeck or on TikTok or whatever, he saw a lot of people were doing this quote-unquote country trap thing using country tropes or – well, not really country tropes. I would say cowboy tropes, Mm. which is an important distinction in my mind but not really in the general populace probably. But, yeah, using these cowboy tropes with rap sounds. So he goes on the internet and he tries to find a country trap beat. He buys this one by this Dutch producer for 30 bucks. It samples Nine Inch Nails. And then he writes these lyrics that are just funny and using these tropes. And he's like, I'm going to call it Old Town Road because that sounds like a country and Western street. And like, it's going to be about horses because that's what everyone's posting about. And so he basically knew that this was in the general populace. I think he had some inkling that if the song was funny enough and was a good enough meme, it could act like a meme in song form. Yeah. And it basically did exactly that. It's basically Mm. the most successful meme of all time because it crosses over to TikTok yeah. where people are doing this Year challenge. i don't really know what the challenge
0: implies. <laughs> I've, I've heard that written so many times. It, you know, if the song was popularized during the Year I have no idea what the Year challenge involved.
1: Yeah, neither. And then after a few weeks or months of bubbling under, it gets onto the Billboard Hot 100, which is the main US chart, at number 83. And from there, once something is on the chart, success tends to get more success, not always but often, especially with a slow-burning hit, and then it – Goes on to the country charts, and oh. I'm not exactly sure. The Billboard charts are a very obfuscated thing in terms of methodology. I'm not really sure. I guess because he had tagged it country, like I, I don't, I don't really know how it got there.
0: Or someone at Billboard was like: this song is called "Old Town Road." It has yeah. to be a country song. Let's put and it like in.
1: it's got those like country guitars, so like it does kind of like sound like a like a bro country song, and then it kind of starts rising, and I think maybe it gets to number 18 or something, and the country music populace, which is a very conservative, very anti-change body, like Mm. just a community. um, They're like, well, this isn't a country song. So take it off the country charts. It's the only song to
0: simultaneously appear on the Hot 100, the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, and the hot country yep. songs chart. But now Billboard has pulled it from the country songs chart because they no longer believe that the song is country enough,
1: Billboard. And like that's the moment where kind of like Lil Nas's fate is sealed. Mm. Because it opens up all these conversations about like is the only thing that they see as not being country the fact that he's black. Yeah. Now, Billboard did add that there's nothing to do with the race of the artist because Lil Nas is black. Sure, And it probably is because, like, you know, a lot of country songs at the time and now incorporate elements of rap. Yeah, rap country is kind of like one of the dominant forms of modern country. So there's this huge firestorm. Billy Ray Cyrus sees what's going on. A man of the people, a hero of the people. Absolutely. And he is like to Lil Nas, well, I'm going to go on the remix. And so...
0: They're saying it's not a country song. When I'm on that track, they can't say it's not a country song. Hat down, cross town, living like a rock star. Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bra. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car.
1: I think within a matter of weeks, maybe it's directly a week later the song goes to number one and it stays there for 19 weeks which is the longest any song has ever stayed at the top of the charts I think it broke Mariah Carey's record for We Belong Together um, longer than the Macarena longer than Uptown Funk the longest reign in a very very long time it was truly unstoppable it held off so many people like it held off Taylor Swift it was just the biggest song and I think we can look directly to that first initial firestorm over what it was as kind of like a moment where because it became a news item and so suddenly everyone heard that song.
0: There's a few things that you've just run us through that I think are actually So extraordinary that they all happen within the space of a few months with one artist. I think there's the fact that he wrote and released the song that has the record for being on The More and the Longest. That in and of itself is an extraordinary achievement. There's the fact that he harnessed not just the internet, but TikTok in particular. We take for granted now that TikTok is a fundamental part of how music operates and how music is is spread and popularized and record labels have people whose job it is to scale TikTok and find songs. So that's a huge thing. And then on top of that, and on top of him just releasing the song that went to number one, he also sparked this enormous conversation about what is country music? How do genres work? What role can a young black man who raps play in in this debate that's an enormous amount of things to happen off the back of basically just one song
1: yeah it's the kind of thing that it's it's like truly kind of like stranger than fiction I mean the the pop especially the chart pop world is so cordoned off it is so hard for anyone who's not on a major label to get a foothold and yeah it's kind of like an unheard of thing and I I think the The fact that it started so many conversations is one thing. I think the TikTok thing is a little bit more complicated than like this is such an amazing platform to get things viral because obviously viral videos um, had made number ones before, particularly Black Beatles by Ray Shremard, was kind of like springboarded off the success of the Mannequin Challenge. Now what we're seeing, and I think something that was probably true then but that we didn't have enough proof for, is that a song still kind of has to be good. Mm to get that level of success from TikTok. Because especially now, I mean, personally, I think the bubble has kind of burst. There are so many songs on TikTok and so many challenges and so many creators and users that it's become quite evident that it is harder now for a song to get chart success from TikTok than before. But yeah, it it was truly an extraordinary moment. It's, it was truly like people say lots of things are unprecedented, but I think this is one of the few things that was actually mm. unprecedented. You know, we, we might compare this with like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, we talked about a few months ago. And it's like, that was an example of like, oh, this debut single goes to number one. And it had all these machinations behind it. Whereas in the Lil Nas case, there was no team pushing it. There was no radio pluggers. There was no publicists. There was no recording budget. He, he paid, what, $60 total, maybe $70 <laughs> to get amazing. this song on the internet. It's truly, truly wild.
0: The song is undoubtedly good. That's why people loved it so much, and it's still a really fun song to listen to. But when it was released... You know, we've seen so many artists release a huge track and then disappear or try and do something and, you know, their sophomore is just not good and they disappear from the scene. That hasn't happened with Lil Nas X. What is it about him that has seen him continue to maintain this role and presence in the culture? It seems to go beyond just the music.
1: Yeah. Why Old Town Road was successful is a tiny bit different from why Lil Nas X is successful.
0: Yeah, talk me through that.
1: I have a theory... It's partially unfounded, but I believe it to be true, which is that if children enjoy a hit, it will stay a hit for a very long time and have a very long tail. And it's the kind of thing that we've seen with Old Town Road, Uptown Funk... And can't stop the feeling Justin Tim song from the Trolls movie. Where it's song. this like family friendly song. It's the kind of song that the kid can be like, I want to listen to that horse song. And the parent can just put it on repeat and their kid will be happy about it.
0: There's those videos, right, of him going to schools and the kids are singing it. Exactly. Kids did love this kids song. Kids
1: love this song. And I think that is a huge part of Altanoid's success. <laughs>
0: But I think that is different to Lil Nas's success. Yeah, tell me about that. What is... Because that, in so many ways, seems kind of disconnected from the music.
1: Yeah. So the, the other factor, of course, is that he's an amazing personality. He's so funny online. He's so smart. He's so internet literate. He's not overbearing. Nothing about his online presence feels focus tested. He can make great memes about himself that aren't too self-conscious... And he is just so knowledgeable of, like, when something will hit perfectly. Like, the right time to release this meme, the right time to release this remix or whatever. Or, like, what people will find really funny or what people will think is stupid, what will push people's buttons, that I think that was, you know, also crucial to Old Town Road's success. It's like, okay, there's, like, a little dip in the streaming. Well, like, this meme's really funny. Or, like, I'm going to say this weird thing. Like, he's so genuinely good online in a way that pretty much no other pop stars are.
0: We're going to take a quick break and be right back. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash
1: newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 2019 is a big moment for Little Nas X as well. It's when he comes out.
1: One of your recent um, social media posts hinted towards you set, revealing something about yourself uh-huh. in the future, um, and you haven't revealed that yet, and fans are pretty much clamoring to find out what yeah, that is. I kind of revealed, you know? <laughs> you've given hints, what, what do you think you've revealed?
0: That I am gay.
1: You expecting any backlash?
0: Oh, I'm already getting it. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> how does that feel?
0: Learning the internet over the past couple of years. You know, I used to be that person you being negative, so it's like I'm not, I'm not angry or anything, because it's like I understand, you know, how they just want that reaction. But I'm just going to joke back with him. So for him, it was a really pivotal moment. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's easy enough for us to say in Melbourne, like, oh, it seems like it seems weird to have a conversation about coming out. I think it's different. One, Blanket, it's different for someone so famous. Like, think of all the gay celebrities you know, and none of them are as famous as Lil Nas X currently. And then, two, it's different for him as a black person, as a rapper, kind of. I'll come back to South. whether he is a rapper. Yeah. yeah, from the South. And it was a huge moment for him, and he was like, I kind of alluded to it, and you listen to Nazarati, he kind of talks about, like, I have secrets that you don't know. And like he he had a secret boyfriend in high school and that kind of thing. And then he's like, I was trying to tell you. And and he like posts a photo of some artwork where there's a tiny rainbow in it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. But yeah, he, he comes out on the last day of Pride Month in 2019. And it's like a, a big moment. And again, it's kind of a firestorm because suddenly conservatives once again are being like, oh, he's like sending this message to kids. And it's like, no, the song is still about horses and like just random stuff. Yeah. Like, But it's, it's interesting
0: because those fault lines that you were talking about when it came to the battle over whether Old Town Road was country are basically the same divisions as every issue that he's faced, including when he came out. It's this kind of conservative, white, Southern American institutions – that he first rubbed up against because he was a black guy saying he was doing country. And then when he comes out, it's kind of like all these people, ha-ha, we told you, this guy was bad and he's the devil's work and we tried to keep him out of our nice, you know, community.
1: Yeah, and, like, even at the time when he came out, like Young Thug, who is seen as this extremely progressive rapper, like he wears dresses and stuff, he was like, good for him, whatever. I don't think he should have come out because I think it would be bad for his career. You know, yeah, which, which I think says a lot about... Rap music is pop music, and I think that says a lot about where pop music is, is that we think of someone like Troy Sivan, really famous gay pop star. There's still a kind of ceiling for him. There's mm. no precedent for someone out and gay to be having such intense chart success as Lil Nas X was having at the time. Mm. George Michael, even kind of Elton John for part of his career, like they weren't
0: out. That's like three decades ago. And exactly. like since then and now, you're right. Where is... That person.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it was a, a really, a really big moment.
0: And so that leads us to Montero. And that fault line I was just describing, I think, re emerged with the release of Montero Call Me By Your Name, the lead single from the album, where Lil Nas X is giving a lap dance to the devil. you can. Call me what you want. I thought the video was like fun and silly and absurd. People lost their minds. Yeah. About it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a good song. I don't know whether we agree on that. I think it's a good song. It's kind of like got these flamenco hand claps. It's got a bit of a kind of like flamenco guitar line. It's fun. It's his most overtly gay song, or his only overtly gay song to date. Mm -hmm. He's singing about, like, sex with a man. He's, like, giving Satan a lap dance, like, in the He's video. Referencing
0: the book and film.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, referencing Call Me My Name, obviously. And, yeah, people lose their fucking minds. People are like, this is awful. He releases these shoes that have, like, blood in them. It's a whole, and it's, like, this thing that is, like, one, he believes in the song, two, it's a good song, but three, he designed it to go that way. He designed it to push the button. Totally, I was going to ask you that.
0: It's like he's making a meme to troll a lot of people with, with this song.
1: Exactly. And I think when he was rolling out the single, he alluded to the fact that he was like, people are going to do this no matter what I do. Mm. So I'm going to take all this biblical imagery. I'm going to, like, fuck it up. I'm going to make it so weird and intense and explicit. If they don't like it, that's on them. So do you think your music videos are making kids gay? Uh, I think my music videos are making everyone gay. And obviously people can turn gay due to a music video
0: scientifically proven
1: yeah it's been it's been proved in science a million times
0: yeah you're right
1: you can't argue with science you cannot argue with science and it went to number one again because it's so viral and also it's a good song i think
0: (laughs) i (laughs) i don't like the song and i don't like the album i'm keen to talk about this album because i'm not really talked to anyone else yet about why i don't like it and i want to figure that out a little bit more because People love this album. People freaking love this album.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll go mask off. I didn't like this song at first either, and I hated the album at first as well, and now I like it.
0: No. I
1: know, I know, and it's, it's because I think... So I have a main critique about this record, which is that I don't like the way the vocals are processed. Interesting, And this is why I find his music hard to listen to, I find it to be uncanny because Mm. you've got enough like autotune or melodyne, like producers will be like, it's melodyne, it's not autotune. So you've got enough melodyne on the vocals that they sound perfect and you can tell they're processed, Mm. but not so much that it feels like an aesthetic choice. Totally. And so I think you get a kind of like uncanny
0: valley effect. Is that essentially because maybe he's just not that good a singer?
1: I believe so. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But, I, yeah, I believe so. And also it's something to do with, like, the way all the production is very compressed. It's very kind of, like, airless. Like, it's busy and it's shiny. And I think the way the vocals are processed is part of that.
0: Could I be wrong? Was
1: but that was my initial frustration, is, like, I would listen to the singles and I would be like, oh, it's like I'm not hearing a human sing. And then when I grow to like... And love the singles, which I have with especially Industry Baby. Call Me By a Name I I wouldn't really listen to, but I love Industry Baby, which is his Jack Harlow collaboration um, produced by Take A Day Trip and Kanye West.
0: We'll be back after the break. because I think we might end up disagreeing on it, which is totally fine. But I think probably what I don't like about it is also maybe the reasons why it has done so well. And I think they're the deliberate choices made behind it. So... All these songs sound very different. They all are trying to do something different. The videos and the aesthetics for the singles have all been done in a very different style. And I think that's Little Nas X's, you know, influence there clearly. And you can see how they'd all be used in TikTok videos and how these screenshots would go viral and these videos would be memed and there's so much variety. And all these tracks will perform very well and they will find their own communities and people will love this one because that's the song they like and people listen to that that that's what I want, which is a kind of outcasty, you know, like call-and-response track. There's, They're all there, but that's what I don't like about it. You know, it's not the first time an artist has made an album that is just a collection of singles. That's fine and he's allowed to do that and some of these tracks individually are also fine, but personally, that's not what I like. I don't like the kind of lack of cohesion on the record and... I also think a lot of the songs are just really boring. You put it really interestingly when you are talking about the sort of production of it being so shiny and almost robotic. It is so polished. It's so polished that I think it's lost the essence of the fun and the creativity and the absurdity of Lil Nas X. And I think the videos have that, but I don't think the music does.
1: I kind of agree with you. I think there's something lost in how like kind of big and bright it is but I I think and this is something that took me a while to kind of like get into but I find the lyrics especially on the more like upbeat songs are really fun and really smart and really funny and I think it's still a little bit not even jarring but just like It is kind of crazy to hear these songs that you'll hear on, like, commercial radio and he's, like, singing about another guy. Like, Mm. I think we can't understate that that in itself is something kind of wild. Mm. I kind of agree with you. It's it's kind of a grab bag. I mean, at points I'm like, oh, I, I see what's kind of happening. The aesthetic is not really for me, but I understand why people like it. I wish it was just a bit more spacious. Like, I don't know whether you've watched his BBC One live session, but, like, the version of That's What I Want that he does on that is, like, so much nicer. Like, there's just a tiny bit less processing on his vocals. A real band is playing the song. like, And it, it sounds so much nicer. When I didn't like the album, I was very much like, oh, like, at a party or, like, on radio in the car with my friends, this is, like, the perfect music. And, like, especially That's What I Want, I think goes down great on the car radio. Scoop, I think, is really good. Dollar Sign Slime is okay. Like, there are a lot of songs on this that I think are really fun. It's weird, right, because not always, but sometimes you can tell how an album's going to be from its rollout. Right, and so the rollout of this was so, so good. It's, it was just a barrage of, like, wonderful memes. So it's like there's photos of him, and he's, like, pregnant with the album. Okay, how much time have? He's having this baby. Oh, my,
0: my beautiful. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's uh, beautiful. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Congrats.
1: Thank you. Uh, it's already Grammy-nominated. And then there are, like, billboards where he's like, do you want to take back the real America? Go to this (laughs) website. And the website directs you to, like, a pre-order page. You know, it's so trollish in such a charming way. And then he's been doing all these red carpets and wearing great outfits. Like, he had a great Versace multi-piece outfit at the yeah, Met Gala. Great, yeah. He was wearing a Rick James style, like weird gown thing at the VMAs. And then like SNL, I thought the SNL performances were great. He like rips his pants, but he still does like a pole dance. And like, it's, it was such a good rollout that I think when you're listening to the album and it's just a collection of radio hits, you're like, oh, I thought it would be a bit more.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Because I think it goes back to this idea that I think we've talked about a few times on this show. I think I talked about it with L. Hunt when I was talking about Lord. It's like the promise of Little Nas X is so great. And we know what he can deliver. Like in the lead up to the album, the role that you're describing, it's all amazing. It's fun. It's artistic. It's it's boundary pushing. It's hilarious. It's tongue-in-cheek. It's good. It's compelling. And music kind of just doesn't live up to that. And I think you know what my actual take is? I think everyone who's saying this album is really good and you know, maybe it's just my bubble. But also, like, you know, I've got a five-star review in The Guardian. Like, people really love this album. <laughs> okay,
1: but The the Guardian gives everything five stars.
0: <laughs> but um, <laughs> and, and... Well, I was just going to say that I think it's like people want the album to be good. They want Little Nas X to succeed. They want to support what he stands for as well as keep him around and keep him making music and doing all these things. So they're saying that it's really fantastic. And I see that instinct, but I also think it is important to recognise that I don't think that the album lived up to what it could have been. I don't think that Little Nas X should keep making these hyper-produced, uncanny valley, I think is such an interesting way to put it, sort of music. I think I want Little Nas X to be number one. I want him to keep doing this sort of stuff, but I want him to feel a little bit more relaxed and comfortable and, and organic in the music.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, right? I think, one, we have to except that this is his first album. I think probably there will be room for him to do all that stuff. As the first album goes, I think it's pretty good, but you're rooting for him so bad that on many of the songs where the production is not ideal, you're kind of like listening to his lyrics about never having been on a plane and struggling or whatever, and you're like, I really root for this guy. And I think that's such a difference of like believing someone's album and their lyrics is such a big deal because I think a lot of the time when you're listening to a pop record, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, but you're not necessarily like buying into Mm, it. Absolutely. And I think that's why part of why Olivia Rodrigo Sauer was so successful because people were really buying into it as well. I think it's like when the production falters, I think you can't really fault him as a person and as a star. That is especially why I kind of agree with you. I think the album is not as good as everyone's saying, but I think... Next album probably will be much better, and I think it will have been made possible because people are so invested in the project.
0: The most recent thing he's released, and I think this is such an interesting part of his journey going full circle, is this cover of Jolene by Dolly Parton. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Dolly Parton posed for a photo with Lil Nas X, posted that, broke the internet. Do people still say that? Break the internet? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> well, there you go. We can say it. We can say it. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. I'm, yeah, yeah. I Bring it back. It, <laughs> yeah. um, and I love that because who is going to argue with Dolly Parton about who's country or not country? You know, getting the Dolly yeah. Parton cosign is, yeah, and at this stage, that debate. That was three years ago, right? We were talking about Old Town Road. It hasn't even been – it was December 2018. It hasn't even been three years since that uh, single came out, since this debate happened, and it feels so irrelevant, right? Like what genre is Little Nas X? What is country music? But I like that, you know, Dolly was there just reminding us that, you know, I'm on this guy's (laughs) side and those of you that weren't, you're idiots. And I think that's the other thing about the album that is a much more interesting conversation is just how it's another reminder of the death of genre. I think, in a way.
1: I think maybe part of what rankles and part of what maybe people like in it is that it sounds like mid-2000s to, like, early 2010s radio rock. A lot of people are saying, like, it sounds like, hey, uh, I'm... I see it but my initial thing was like oh this sounds kind of like triple j music and so much of it sounds like triple j music and I mean that in this extremely produced corporate indie sound (laughs) that's brutal but entirely accurate totally and like that's a lot of music that I really love and so and like I'm not saying that I'm saying that affectionately because it's just a style and a trope but yeah so much of it it's
0: not country it's not rap it's Basically, rock music. Yeah, do you know what it reminds me of hearing you talk about that is actually the Casey Musgraves record, the new one, because I think there's another artist who started in the country space. That new record has got everything. Like there's daft Punk on that record. It's really interesting, and I'm, I'm here for this moment in music. I think it's been happening for a while, but I'm really stoked that all sorts of artists are just letting themselves be led in different directions. And even though I said I dislike the lack of coherence or uniformity on this album I think it's great that like whether it's Casey Musgraves whether it's Little Nas X, they're willing to trust producers and the people that they collaborate with to just make 10 songs that sound super different to each other and it's a good point you made earlier it's his first album like he's figuring out what kind of music he's going to make and what he likes and what he doesn't like and as unenthused by it as I am I'm still extremely on the Little Nas X train and I cannot wait to see what happens next
1: yeah and and you know what? like one final thing I'll say on this is that it's only recently where we've asked pop stars to make cohesive album length statements, and it's like Madonna's earliest records. Yeah. they're like four singles and a bunch of filler or whatever. you know there's something. Not quaint, but something almost admirable about <laughs> making an album that is not like a concept record. I reckon it's cool. I I support him in any and all of his endeavours. I'm so, so on board no matter what I think of the record.
0: Uh, Shard, thank you so much for chatting to me about all of this today on The Culture.
1: Can I um, actually, as we end the show, can yeah. I make an apology?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: this one goes out to Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> Actually, I'm not, it's not an apology, but I still feel the same way about Sour. Um, I think I was very harsh. I was like, okay, we're going to kind of test the waters, see how everything goes. I um, watched her performance at Life is Beautiful Festival. She did a wonderful job doing all her vocals live and a lot of kind of acrobatics. It was very impressive. I also loved the video for Brutal, where in the opening seconds, um, she, like, snaps her ankle and it's really graphic.
0: Has Olivia Rodrigo kidnapped your dog? Or are you being forced to say all this?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not being held at gunpoint. I would just like to say, um, Olivia Rodrigo, love what's going on with your album rollout and, um, you know, looking forward to album two.
0: I'll let you know if she hits us up in the DM with Thanks. a reply. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Shard. The Culture is a weekly show from Schwartz Media. It's produced by Bez Zoder and Atticus Basto. Our editor in chief is Eric Jensen, and our theme music is by Hermitude. I'm Osman Faruqi. See you next week.